The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. The intense criticism of Biden on the border issue is coming not just from elected Republicans, but also from the voters. According to a new poll from Quinnipiac, just 27 percent of voters approve of the president's handling of the situation at the border. It's his worst issue in this poll by far, in a poll where he struggles on virtually every major issue poll. And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly uh, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border, and it's not unusual. President Biden has been committed to improving the security of our border and ensuring we have a legal and humane immigration process. We've talked to CPB officials who say that they're resourced about half, to deal with about half the volume of encounters that they're seeing, that smugglers are putting migrants more and more at risk by dropping them off in more and more remote locations. Can you point to one thing that the White House is doing right now that is making an impact on the border, is making an impact with this current surge? Well, one of the things that uh, we, well, obviously it's a big part of the supplemental request, uh, and should we get uh, the funding we're asking for? It will. And call ice on them. Trump, come in here. Clean this mess up. The most corrupt city in the United States is the city of Chicago. And I really have been able to find anybody that can say there's not any kind of an issue right now on the border that has around 270,000 people being encountered on the border just in one month. And to put that in perspective, as I've said before, that's the side of Pittsburgh. And if roughly the, the size of Pittsburgh is showing up in the border, um, if that's what you, you need to say, that's fine, that's not really an issue. Uh, as a progressive, then I guess that that's why I wouldn't be a progressive. Uh, in just 20 days, there have been more than 200,000 migrant encounters at the border, with an average of more than 10,000 per day. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is now sending planes of illegal migrants to Chicago, the first plane carrying more than 120 people, Congressman. The border situation continues to worsen. Another reason people want Biden's name off the ballot. It's usually a rule of politics that if you have to say things like, I haven't read Mein Kampf, that means you're probably losing, but that does not appear to be the case this time around. Trump has had to issue that denial in recent days, uh, but yet certainly his polls, uh, his poll numbers haven't slipped. It's true that this provision of the Constitution is new to lots of people because we've never been in a situation where you would have somebody running for office who engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Because after the Civil War, people said, if you've engaged in this kind of conduct, you cannot be any longer in a, the president, the vice president, or any um, federal position. So this is historically really important in terms of what many people died for in this country. The very people that continue to support that insurrection and promise us if Donald Trump's elected again, he's going to jail his opponents. He's going to assassinate generals. He's going, he, he, he's, he's going to ban media outlets that he disagrees with. These are the people that are now preaching about anti-democratic 
uh, 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 amendments to the Constitution of the United States as they fall on their fainting couches and are triggered that somebody may actually apply the Constitution to the facts at hand on an insurrection that Donald Trump inspired, that he led that he was responsible for comparing Trump to Adolf Hitler, which the uh, Biden campaign has done. I mean, Biden campaign literally put together a graphic with Trump's image and Hitler's uh, side by side and comparing the quotes. Uh, that's a f- that's not a fairly aggressive. That's a highly aggressive uh, campaign attack um, from the Biden campaign, which they say is justified. You know, are they worried at all that because by fact that we've been through four years of Trump? And came out on the other end, and here we are. That maybe the voting public doesn't take these uh, threats of, uh, you know, fascism and, and, and the loss of democracy all that seriously. They lived through it. They survived it. They came out on the other side. Uh, you know, maybe when they hear the Biden campaign say, "Hey, this guy's evoking Adolf Hitler, echoing Adolf Hitler," they say, "Yeah, we 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 dealt with Trump for four years. We know who he is, uh, and it didn't ruin us. So why are you saying that now?" And I, I do wonder if that's in the back of the Biden campaign's mind. There you go. We uh, squeezed a couple of montages together there for the cold open. As you see, the country going up in flames. And of course, for the regime media, they have Trump on the brain. Trump is Hitler. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show every weekday afternoon or morning. Or evening, depending upon where you live on Earth. At our time zone, the central time zone of the United States, it's 11.05 a.m. in uh, the morning, as I say, every weekday. TrumpetDaily.com, the uh, the Rumble channel. Don't forget about the Rumble thumbs up. If you go to Rumble, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily, you can uh, leave some feedback and, as I say, give us the old thumbs up. Lots to get to on today's show, including another segment Uh, of World Watch that will break the uh, first and second segments up, so you can look forward to that later. Also, uh, I've been meaning to get to some clips. Uh, We've had them on the docket the last few days of uh, the effort to take down another statue, this one in uh, Arlington uh, Cemetery. We'll come to that in just a bit as well. But first, again, Trump on the brain. Listen to this from MSNBC, clip seven. You've got a Ph.D., in clinical psychology. You've described Donald in your book, Too Much and Never Enough, as someone who exhibits textbook narcissistic personality disorder. How does that make him even more dangerous in a position of power like president of the United States? Donald is definitely a cornered animal at this point. His his legal, financial, and political danger is increasing by the day. And uh, his profound personality disorders make it impossible for him to care about anything but his own safety and security. So there's a Donald Trump is a caged animal or he's cornered. And then MSNBC, this is another segment where they you can almost feel them just itching for for violence. Well, we've got to rise up. Look at how look at how violent the radical right is, they say. Clip 10. The rise in political violence in this country is a sobering reality that when the history of these times is written will be front and center. According to a recent Reuters investigation, political violence in America has not been this bad since the 1970s. But unlike the 70s, today's violence is, quote, 
aimed at people instead of property. And most of the recent deadly outbursts have come from the right. The common denominator here is, of course, the disgraced, twice impeached, four times indicted ex-president, has become a kind of nexus between the ordinary workings of law enforcement and our judicial system and political violence. Political violence, and most of it's coming from the right, she says, with pictures of January 6th on the screen with her. All of that violence, remember it? Remember all of the, the ins, remember the unarmed insurrection, the insurrection where nobody brought a gun to overthrow the government? That's, uh, that's entrenched in their thinking, this January 6th hoax to cover up the election steal from a few months earlier. Notice this from uh, the American conservative. It's just bringing out the point here how that the Democrat Party, Joe Bama, they really have no alternative to present to the American people or to try to, <laughs> to, try to win over the populist movement with, with policies, with an agenda that Americans can get behind and support. You saw the guy in the opening uh, montage there, the black guy from, uh, from Chicago, basically saying, look, the immigrants are overrunning our city. What about the young children in the, the black community? What, what kind of jobs are they going to have for themselves when they get older? He said, bring Trump back to solve this, to fix this, to fix this corruption. He's not alone in his thinking. The American conservative, it says, the most pertinent and intriguing question is this. What would things have looked like if instead of choosing the path of lawfare and resistance, mainstream parties had sought to accommodate populist voters and or offer them an even more enticing vision of what the future might look like? Where are their policies? Besides get Trump, I mean. Besides Trump is Hitler. What? They just get up there. They say, hey, the surge at the border this time of year, it's not unusual. This is just, it happens all the time, says KJP. Where are the policies that they're campaigning on? I mean, you read between the lines on this and you know, you know America is under attack. You know it. Because they're not even trying to win over uh, a majority of voters. They're not even trying. They're trying to transform the United States and lie to you along the way and then do everything that they can to cheat, steal, whatever, or, or just remove them from the ballot. This is Joe Walsh. Pretty sure he's a Democrat, a prominent Democrat. But he says here, uh, I've got a take that uh, no one will like. Number one, I think Trump committed insurrection, but he hasn't been convicted of insurrection yet. So this doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right for four justices in Colorado to conclude that he's an insurrectionist. He hasn't been charged with that. He hasn't been convicted of it. And, and this coming from a guy who believes he, he is an insurrectionist. He says, number two, because this insurrectionist ban is vague, untested, and may not even apply to the presidency, the Supreme Court should and will unanimously overrule this decision. Wow. Number three, what, what the Colorado Supreme Court just did will strengthen Trump politically. That's what Frank Lund said the other day. We played those clips for you. He's getting stronger. His lead is increasing. And then four, he says, the best and only way to defeat Trump is at the ballot box. 
Well, there's a novel idea. <laughs> Beat him at the ballot box. Not to kick him off the ballot. Defeat him at the ballot box. That's what's best for the country. And then you want to see how Jay, Joy Behar responded? She's, she's on the view. She's a hard lefty. She's a radical communist. She responded to Joe Walsh's tweet by saying, Joe, the ballot box can't compete with the third party candidates who will take votes from Joe Biden. And let us not forget the electoral college. The law must defeat him. I mean, she's saying the quiet part right out loud. We can't beat him at the ballot box, Joe. We've got to do it with lawfare. We've got to remove him from the ballot. That's the only way. This is back to that American conservative piece. It says here, uh, that's the question posed most acutely by progressive critics of the Colorado decision. It says their point, addressing the left from the left, is that the Trump phenomenon is a political problem. If you don't like him, you had better offer a compelling alternative around which an enduring national majority might coalesce. Where is the compelling alternative? Answer, they don't have one. The alternative is fundamental transformation of the United States. You see, the Democrat Party of old, they would have campaigned on, on, on policies, but they've been hijacked by the communist left. And they're so radical, they're, they're all on board with Barack Obama's fundamental transformation of the United States. As I say, if you don't have this book, it's all laid out in America Under Attack. The 800 number is 1-866-930-3024. In the days of old, after getting spanked in 2016, that would have made Democrats or the party pause and reflect. That would have made them say, well, hang on a second. How did we get beat in those Rust Belt states? What was it about Donald Trump's vision for the country that appealed to more voters in Pennsylvania or wherever else? But they didn't, did they? they? They dug in their heels and they spent four years attacking Donald Trump and his administration. The deep state, thoroughly weaponized by the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. And you see what it's done to the country these three years. I mean... Two, something like 200,000 apprehensions in just the last 20 days. How, how much longer can this continue? How much more can cities like Chicago and New York put up with before they just break, before they just implode? You've got a, a, a black resident in Chicago up there screaming for Trump to return, to fix this. And you've got the spokesperson, the French lady, up there saying, there's nothing abnormal about this. Everything continues. It's, a, it's as good as it's ever been. That's what she said recently about the economy. Listen to this montage, clip three. And so we're glad to see that Americans are feeling more confident about the economy. Feels good about the economy right now. Who feels bad about the economy right now? All right, Shelly, let me ask you first. What do you think uh, is going on economically? What, what are the challenges you're facing economically? I would think it would be groceries, gas, everything you have to buy every day is 
way more expensive than previous years. Let me let me ask you this. Right now, when you look on paper, right, you've got low unemployment rates, wages are up, um, inflation is easing, stock market's doing well, but are you feeling any of that? How do you feel about the economy day to day? I'm not sure I agree with what you just said. They poor NBC reporter. She's got all the talking points. Hey, inflation's going, it's gone down compared to where it was three years ago when the fake president came in. It's gone down. Yeah, unemployment's down. Everything's wonderful. And the woman, th- these are ordinary Americans. I mean, she started the segment by saying, yeah, tell me what's, uh, what's good about the economy. And it's crickets. Nobody said anything. And yet KJP, she's saying, hey, Good to see Americans are so happy and satisfied. They're, they're really, really content with where things are economically. Well, then put it to the vote. If it's so wonderful at the border and in the economy, put it to the American people in 11 months and let them decide. Listen to Laura Ingram as she explains why they don't want to do that. Clip eight. Well, I think what we've seen is a a panic has set in because everything they've done from calling Trump Hitler or Pol Pot or Stalin, whatever the latest is, or saying he's the big threat to democracy, yet the boomerang is thrown by them. They're throwing this this claim (laughs) out at Trump and and then it's coming back and hitting them because they don't seem to really want to trust the voters next year, Jonathan. They do not trust what the outcome of the election will be if it's just let to go. They don't trust the democratic process. They don't trust democracy. Doesn't matter how much they say the word. They don't trust it. Joy Behar said the quiet part out loud, as I say. They've got to do it through lawfare. They've got to take him out by the courts or else they'll lose. Fundamental transformation. That's what we're witnessing here. As I say, read between the lines and you see clearly, you see clearly that America is under attack. It's being attacked from within. Look at these radicals as they try to take down uh, another statue. I mean, this one in Arlington Cemetery, you think back to that combative press conference that Donald Trump had, what was it in 2017, I think it was? And I mean, he hit the nail right on the head. He said, hey, what's next? You take down the statue of Stonewall Jackson. Well, what are you going to do? Take down statues of Thomas Jefferson or, or George Washington, the first president of the United States? Listen to this discussion between Jesse Waters and Sean Davis, who's over at The Federalist. This was from a few nights ago, clip 11. Democrats love destroying statues. Columbus, Lincoln, Washington, if you had anything to do with making this country great, bye bye This week, they're trying to bulldoze a statue in the Arlington National Cemetery. It's called the Reconciliation Monument. It was erected a century ago to commemorate the country reuniting after the Civil War. It's a symbol to show we're able to move forward even after a civil war. It's a huge part of the history of this country. But Democrats say, no, we're not moving forward. We're getting rid of reconciliation. Getting rid of it? It's, it's a re- the reconciliation monument. 
Here again, where, where are the policies here that Americans can really get behind and support? Yeah, you know, I like that. Let's, let's tear down the statue that's, that symbolizes or typifies unity and coming together. Nobody would want that. And yet down comes the statue. Listen to this again from the same episode, clip 12. Well, I think they're trying to do two things here. One, we know they want to destroy the Constitution. And in order to do that, they have to deconstruct our founding. They have to cast in a racist light all of the founders. And, and part of this Confederate war memorial attack is about erasing the founders so they can erase the Constitution. But it also uh, deals with them trying to erase their enemy, which is why the Reconciliation Monument is their target. It's not just enough to erase the past. They also want to erase their enemy. And this idea that you can ever truly reconcile with a foe, even when you fought a war against. And it's a really awful concept, something that uh, Jim Webb, former Navy Secretary and Vietnam veteran, said, it's an attempt to erase the generosity of the past. Uh, due to the bitterness of, of the current aid. Blot it out. Blot out the enemy. Just erase the enemy. Erase the Constitution. Erase Donald Trump. Erase this, uh, this reconciliation monument. It's the same demonic spirit through and through. And it's, uh, it's disgust. That spirit of blotting out even the name of Israel. It's discussed in 2 Kings 14. It's elaborated on in this book, America Under Attack. Gives you all that you need to know, as I say. If you don't have a copy and you want to get to it right away, go to our website, thetrumpet.com. One final clip from that uh, Jesse Waters segment, clip 13. I think most of it is an attempt to rewrite history so that they can rewrite the future. Recall it was Orwell who said those who control the past, control the present, control the past, and those who control the past, control the future. They want to rewrite history so that they control the future. Fundamental transformation. And behind it all, the puppet master, that would be the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. Listen to what Newt Gingrich said about him uh, yesterday, clip nine. You can't understand Joe Biden without looking at his eight years as Barack Obama's vice president. Obama is arguably the most radical person ever to be president, protected by the news media. When you look at his underlying values and his speeches and his policies and the people he brought in, he is extraordinarily radical. The most radical in U.S. history. And he's finally being exposed. <laughs> Fifteen years on, never, never vetted in 2008, just fully embraced by the regime media, and, and all the more so now, all the more so today. I mean, they're, they're Scarborough and company, they're running out of words to describe the bad orange man. I mean, where do you go from Hitler? <laughs> We're going to be having 11 months of Hitler coverage for the next 11 months. As I say, there's a dumpster fire at the southern border, and it's Trump on the brain at Morning Joe or the Morning Meltdown. That's what you get from these enemies of the people, as, as uh, Donald Trump correctly calls them. The press calls them out. He points, points at them at rallies. They're enemies of America. They're enemies of the Constitution. Following that uh, sodomy in the Senate uh, program, that was on Monday. It's a pretty strong episode if you uh, wanted to watch that at one of our websites. 
either the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily or trumpetdaily.com. But this was how NBC reported on that story. Just happened a week ago, right? This guy filmed this pornographic uh, scene involving himself in this Senate building. And NBC says, Senate staffer alleged by conservative outlets to have had sex in a hearing room is no longer employed. It's, it's alleged, it's on video. And here's NBC saying it's alleged by conservative outlets. Oh, okay, it's just, cons- we can't, I mean, we haven't independently verified it. You want to help me? You want me to help you independently verify it? It's outrageous, the kinds of coverage or lack thereof. As I say, it, it should have gotten a whole lot more because, again, this, this happened in what Nancy Pelosi and company called the, the sacred house, the sacred temple that is the Capitol. This is uh, not to be outdone. That was NBC's coverage. This is Newsweek on this trans activist caught raping little children, Kendall Stevens is his name. The arrest of a 37-year-old LGBTQ plus activist Kendall Stevens sparked social media discourse on Tuesday. And look at that headline. Trans activist Kendall Stevens arrest sparks mega uproar. Mega's upset about this. Trump supporters are really furious, but, but you know, no one else. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we haven't independently verified what it was that this guy did. Newsweek says Stevens was arrested Monday on charges including rape, indecent assault, endangering the welfare of a child, corruption of a minor, and related charges on Monday following a comprehensive investigation, a Philadelphia Police Department spokesman told Newsweek. Stevens, who is transgender, is known as a prominent LGBTQ rights activist in Philadelphia. So it's a prominent Democrat activist. And so there's the Newsweek headline saying that, you know, the people that really get riled up over this, it's just the MAGA people. It's it's really not that big a deal, raping children and such. Where's the uproar at Newsweek or NBC? This was uh, another story about another pornography tape or scene filmed in Congress. Happened, I guess, a year ago. It says here, the high-profile Senate sex scandal that rocked D.C. this month was, in fact, the second time in less than two years that sexually explicit videos filmed in the U.S. Capitol prompted an investigation. This one, I mean, this one was just kind of quietly covered up. I guess it happens all the time in the sacred temple. It says here, a spokesperson for Representative Dan Newhouse, a Republican from Washington, confirmed that reports of purported up unbecoming behavior by a senior staffer in their office triggered an investigation last year. They added that no conclusive evidence was found. The staffer, who Semaphore is not naming, denied he participated in explicit videos and disputed elements of the office's characterization of the episode in a telephone interview and a series of text messages. He said he was informed of the investigation in June 2022, but told by the congressman in July that it had ended with no evidence to the uh, allegation. So these sorts of things evidently happen uh, quite frequently. Uh, Tim Burchett, he's a representative, a conservative one from Tennessee. 
He was on with uh, Benny Johnson, I think it was. Listen to him talk about the swamp. Talk about how many people are compromised in the swamp because of sexual perversion. Clip uh, one. It's how it works. You're visiting, you're out of the country or out of town or you're in a motel or bar at, in D.C. and some whatever you're you're into women or men or whatever comes up and they're very attractive and they're laughing at your jokes and and they and you're buying them a drink. Next thing you know, you're in the motel room with them naked. And next thing you know, you know, you're about to make a key vote. And what happens? Some well-dressed person comes up and whispers in your ear. Hey, man, there's tapes out on you. Or were you in a motel room on whatever with whoever? And then you're like, uh oh, and said, you really ought not be voting for this thing. And they know what to get at. You know, if it's women, drugs, booze, it'll find you in D.C. and in most elected offices. And that's what people of power and influence do. That's just what they do. He's He's been in Congress for five years. Before that, I think he was in the state Congress in Tennessee for 17 years. I believe he was a mayor for a number of years. He knows. He knows a little bit about the swamp. He knows these people that are compromised. He knows how so many in the ruling class operate. Yesterday, I saw this 60 Minutes uh, video. I think it was a segment from 2019 on Jeffrey Epstein. I just, I couldn't stop watching it. I couldn't, because I couldn't believe it, for one. I mean, I know a little bit about that story, but I'm watching this segment from Australia. I guess one of the victims now lives down in Australia, so she was featured prominently in the report. But I'm watching this for 45 minutes thinking, where where are the investigations, the, the reporters, the journalists, the investigative journalists that are delving into this scandalous activity? A billionaire who sets up this sex perversion island and he's flying the ruling class, the elites from Britain, from the United, from all over the world into the island. And then his mysterious death now in prison under Bill Barr's watch. At least that's when Barr was at the DOJ. Nothing really came of the investigation, though. He just quietly went away, just like his, his client list quietly went away. And, and, and that people like Bill Clinton or Prince Andrew would, would abort, board the plane of Jeffrey Epstein, or that he gets cracked on in, what, 10, 15 years ago? There's a sweetheart plea deal. He's a pedophile. And then he gets out of his, his short prison stint and the, the elites, they start interacting with him again and nobody bats an eye. Here's the way it works, says Congressman Burchett. It happens all the time. This is what people of power and influence do. And yet, you know, NBC, Newsweek, they can't, they can't really get riled up about this kind of sexual perversion, pornography in the Senate, pedophilia, sex trafficking. Just turn a blind eye to that. You know what really gets them riled up? The Jews. Now, if, you, if the Jews are at the center of anything, that really gets them hot under the collar. It certainly does. Listen to this. Uh, it's, it's not even an exchange. It's just Doug Murray. He's, he's absolutely dumping on this young Turks guy. His last name, of all things, is Uyghur. Now, listen to what Douglas Murray says about how he gets hot under the collar if it's the Jews 
going on a counteroffensive in Gaza. But really, anything else in the world, no big deal. No big deal. Clip six. But I'd just like to point out that you only really get animated if the Jews are involved. And I can tell that for the following reason. I mean, your surname's Uyghur, isn't it? One million Uyghur Muslims in China have been put in concentration camps in the last decade. And, pe you know, people of your ilk never really care about that, do you? Because it's not the Jews doing it. It's the Chinese Communist Party. At the moment, one million, one million people who are, from who are in Pakistan at the moment, who are your fellow Muslims and who happen to be Afghan, and I don't think you care about them, do you? One million Afghans are currently being forcibly deported from Pakistan to Afghanistan. You don't care about that. You're not riled up about that. You're not riled up about what the Jangaweed are currently doing in Sudan, where thousands and thousands of people are being attacked by the, by the, the Islamist militia there. You don't care about any of that. You get exercised and you rile up what little base you have of malcontents because you're riled up when the Jews do anything. He's completely right. He's completely right. Here's another communist left winger. It's got to show that the hard left loves, they love the Uyghur guy. Here there's a million Uyghurs in concentration camps in China. And this guy's worried about the Jews overstepping their bounds after, after Israel's 9-11, just two months ago. Doug Murray, as he said also in that same, that same exchange, he's been down there. He's seen it. He, he tells uh, Uyghur to get out of his bedroom and actually go on and report on the scene somewhere. And maybe he can learn a little bit more. As it is, it's just hate Jews. Just blot out the Jews. Blot out the statues. Blot out the political opposition. Sexual perversion? No, no. We want to promote that. We want that filth to spread all over the world. And it, and it certainly is. It is spreading. <laughs> Leave aside Jeffrey Epstein. There's plenty more billionaires who are out there engaging in sex trafficking. When we come back, we'll finish today's show on a more positive note with our Bible study. And in between, of course, we've got the, uh, the latest installment of World Watch. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. Daily News, Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. Only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. World's six largest shipping companies announced they would halt shipments through the Red Sea after Iran-backed Houthi terrorists launched a series of drone and missile attacks toward the end of last week. 
Many of these ships will now have to sail around the Cape of Good Hope, adding weeks to their travel time. One-sixth of all commercial shipping passes through the Bab el-Mandeb Strait into the Red Sea, and these six shipping companies represent the majority of all container shipping. In addition to these six companies, one of the world's top ten energy companies, oil and gas giant British Petroleum, also announced on Monday that it would temporarily pause all transit through the Red Sea. In 2015, Trumpet editor-in-chief Gerald Flurry warned of the dangerous consequences of the Iran-backed Houthis' infiltration of Yemen. To learn more about the worldwide impact Iran's control of this key seagate will have, read Iran Gets a Stranglehold on the Middle East. A Bundeswehr brigade of 5,000 men will be deployed to NATO-ally Lithuania, according to a deal signed by the German and Lithuanian defense ministers on December 18th. The deployment will mark the first time Germany will permanently station troops outside its borders since World War II. Lithuania has repeatedly asked Germany to send defensive troops to the country since Russia began its war on Ukraine. Lithuania is in close proximity to Russia and was part of the Soviet Union until 1990. The presence of a German brigade in Lithuania is expected to strengthen the Baltic region's security against potential Russian aggression. The trumpet has warned for decades that Germany's military will expand and have greater strength and a wider presence throughout Europe. Bible prophecy reveals that a militaristic German-led Europe will be a major factor in world events. This event is a stepping stone toward the fulfillment of several key prophecies. To learn more, read our Trends article, Why the Trumpet Watches Europe's Push Toward a Unified Military. Anti-Semitic incidents in the United States were up 337% in the two months since the October 7th Hamas attack, the Anti-Defamation League said on December 11th. The organization recorded 2,031 incidents between October 7th and December 7th, the highest ever two-month level since the organization began tracking in 1979. The cases include 40 incidents of physical violence, 749 verbal attacks, 337 cases of vandalism, and 905 rallies with anti-Semitic speech or support for terrorism. The data also showed 400 incidents on college campuses and 250 cases targeted at Jewish institutions. Universities across the U.S. have been accused of failing to protect Jewish students, especially after the heads of three prestigious universities, Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania, refused to say that calls for the genocide of Jewish people violate campus rules. Since Hamas invaded Israel, radical Muslims and their supporters around the world have been emboldened in their hatred for Israel and Jews. This hatred was prophesied in the Bible. Israel will soon become the clear center of world events, largely because of this intensifying hatred. To learn more, read The One Minority Society Loves to Hate. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. Well, fundamentally, everything they said was wrong about the vax. And it's hurt a lot of people. And like, where are all the, and some doctors, I know the three that you mentioned, and they're great, but there are tens of thousands of doctors in the United States. And why aren't they all standing up and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I cannot believe I recommended it. I mean, and I can't believe that 99% of American doctors won't do that. And it, I'm not going to them, by the way. I would never go to a doctor who was still lying about COVID because that, that's a dangerous person. That's an immoral person and a dangerous person. Quite a few of them around, doctors who lied about COVID and who have lied about the vaccine. And as Tucker brings out there, 
why, how come there haven't been a few that have come forward and said, hey, we're sorry, we got it wrong. Last weekend, you had a Premier League soccer player, 29 years old. He just collapsed. Didn't, <laughs> he collapsed of a heart attack right in the middle of the game. Now, this just happens all the time. Over the last two, three years, now we're led to believe that it's just normal. There was that uh, honor guard collap- collapsing at the, uh, the casket of Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. That was just a couple days ago as well. I don't know much about that situation or what caused it. But we're just seeing so many people collapse on TV, on camera. I mean, these are like more prominent people. So how often is this happening just with ordinary people that aren't in front of a camera somewhere? Where is the repentance? Where are the apologies? <laughs> there aren't any. We've been talking this week about the importance of repentance with respect to really intensifying your convictions and, and giving you more of a burning zeal for God. That's what happens when you come out of sin and you follow in the steps of the righteous Jesus Christ. It emboldens you. This is uh, Galatians 4.17. We've read this already this week, but just to repeat, it says, they zealously affect you, but not well. These, uh, these dissident ministers, these false teachers, Paul says to the brethren at Galatia, he was marveling in chapter 1 about how so soon they had removed from the true gospel. And he says, these false teachers zealously affect you. They've got some zeal, but it's not according to knowledge, as I covered with you yesterday in Romans 10. Notice verse 18. It says, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I'm present with you. See, be zealously affected in a good thing. Show zeal for obedience. Show zeal for abiding by the truth. My father's got uh, an article, should have brought the, uh, the latest issue of the Trumpet Magazine. This is January 2024. It's hard to believe. We're about to flip the page on another calendar year. And, and the article is, What is Truth? Pilate asked this question, then killed the Son of God. How much do you really want the truth? We talk so often on this show about the truth and how there's a lot of people with a lot of zeal, a zeal for destroying the truth, for burying the truth, for casting the truth to the ground. We've got to, be, we've got to match that zeal, that burning zeal, to uphold and to defend and to love the truth. It's not enough just to have the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2 says that we need to love it. Love is of God. Love is an unselfish, outflowing concern for the good and welfare of others. I mean, the flow is away from self. And so many of the great, our heroes in the Bible, how is it that they were able to sacrifice even their physical lives and in some ways, in some cases, in the most horrific <laughs> incidents or events you could imagine. Why were they able to do that? How did they show such burning zeal for the truth? Well, they obviously got the vision. 
and they set their minds on the things above, and they weren't going to let anyone on this earth take their crown. That's what a true Philadelphian does. And a true Philadelphian is rewarded in a spectacular way for remaining faithful to the truth all the way to the end. It's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, Paul says. And then verse 19, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, verse 20 says, I desire to be present with you and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. That's Paul basically saying, you know, I wish I was there uh, with you so that I could uh, raise my voice a little bit. How about that? <laughs> so that I could show some emotion. Look at what Jesus did when he walked into the temple and you had all the money changers there. They were doing business inside the temple of God, the sacred temple, the sacred temple. And he started kicking over the tables. He started cracking whips. He put a stop to it. This is a house of worship. We've got to be, we've got to be zealously concerned about protecting the purity and the holiness of this place. This is God's house. This is a sacred house. What goes on here is sacred and holy. It wasn't just all talk like it was three years ago when Nancy Pelosi and company came out and talked about just how sacred that ground was underneath the Capitol. Really? Well, look what's, look what's going on there. Look what's going on inside the walls of the Capitol complex. Philippians 3 and verse 7. This is Paul, a very encouraging and uplifting book here, Philippians. Paul says in uh, verse 7, But what things are, uh, were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. I, I asked how could these great, these great patriarchs of old, how could these, these great apostles of the first century have sacrificed everything on this earth in order to obtain that glorious crown? Paul was beheaded in, uh, in a Roman jail. He was beheaded for preaching God's truth. Verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He was, he was willing to give it all up in order to win Christ in order to obtain this glorious inheritance. Verse 9, it says, And he found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Righteousness that's of God. Paul talks about that in Romans 10. Again, we read it yesterday. Have a zeal according to knowledge. Submit to God's righteousness. Don't go about trying to establish your own righteousness. Look at, how, look at how many commentators even carry on in this sanctimonious tone. Look at the doctors that lied about COVID, that lied about vaccines. Where's their willingness to repent and to, to seek after some godly zeal? Verse 10 
It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I'm, I'm willing to fellowship with Christ's sufferings. In other words, I'm willing to suffer together with Christ. You know what it says in Romans 8 and verse 17? It says if we're willing to suffer with Christ, we're also going to be glorified together with Christ. It's worth it, in other words. It's worth having some godly zeal. It's worth laying down your life if you have to in order to seek after Christ. Verse 11, it says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. See, he was willing to endure through any trial, any test that God allowed him to go through in order to obtain this glorious inheritance, this future in God's kingdom and family, this crown of, of rule, rulership, to be given power over the nations, like Revelation 2 says. In the uh, Revised Standard Version, it says in verse 12, Not that I had already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, bought with a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And what a price. Jesus came and he, he paid the ransom. He sacrificed his life so that we all might be saved. Salvation is a process. It's not a once saved, always saved moment. It's a process. It's after a lifelong, a lifelong commitment to God and his way of life. A life during which we're convicted. During which we have a burning zeal to carry out God's will, to support God's work to finish, to finish the task that's ever before us. Notice verse 13, it says, Brethren, I do not consider that I, may, that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's such a, a wonderful attitude that Paul maintained throughout his ministry. There was a time when he was, <laughs> he was serving the God of this world. He was serving the devil. He was persecuting Christians. And look at what happened in Acts 8 when God struck him down, struck him with blindness for a few days. And then he said, why are you going against me? Why are you going against my work? And, and Paul was just, I mean, he couldn't believe it. And he, and he responded the way that you and I want to res respond. He just started turning around and that same that zeal he had for bad works, for persecuting Christians, he turned that around and started to zealously go after God in his way of life. He, he zealously served God as a man of God, a righteous minister. Be zealous for good things, he wrote. Verse 15 says, let us therefore as many as be perfect, uh, be thus minded. And if anything be you, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even unto uh, even this unto uh, you. See the true repentance. It's more concerned about the road ahead than it is where you came from, the road behind you. It's concerned about the future, about what changes you can make. 
you know, there's obviously something to be said for knowing the mistakes of our past and learning lessons from them. But, but true repentance is oriented around your future conduct, how you're going to live from this point forward. Go after it with some zeal. Go after righteousness and obedience with some zeal. Verse 16 says in the, in the uh, Revised Standard, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Hold fast, in other words, like 2 Thessalonians 2 and, and verse 15 says. And it says here in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Follow those examples that are out in front. Paul said that over in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Just, just follow me as I follow Christ. Follow the leader. There's a lot to be said. No one's going to, you know, drag you into the kingdom of God. You can't get in just holding on to the coattails of someone else. But, but you can certainly look at wonderful examples that are out front and just follow that righteous example. Paul said in, I think it's Hebrews 13, with respect to the ministry, whose faith follow. Follow their faith. No man's going to save you. God has to do that. But God is a family, and there are plenty of really amazing examples to go around, many of them right here in Scripture, as I've said. Verse 20, it says, For our, uh, our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven, from whence uh, also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our aim is to become a citizen in God's kingdom, to become a member in God's family. And verse 21 concludes by saying, Who shall change our vile body, this vile fleshly frame, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? How's that for a magnificent, incredible calling to be fashioned to be fashioned like unto Jesus Christ's glorious body. That's all we have time for on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. We thank you for joining us all week, some of you, and we'll see you again next time. 